I feel like if Bob would have been there, they would have went Lexington, Preakness, would have built him up a little better, wouldn't have tried to take that shot. And I get yeah. that the owner wanted to take it. I get it. I, I get it. But at the end of the day, I think if Bob would have been around, they would have taken that logical path. And I would almost bet you money if they would have taken that path, Lexington, Preakness, we probably wouldn't be having a discussion. We're getting ready to have that's what I'm saying. There were these two racing dudes named Aaron and Jared who had advice on racing and they wanted to share it. Started a website where players go to see all their picks. The goal was make the fans some money and to cut down the risk. They put the plan into motion and at first it seemed silly. Make a website where the expert picks are freer than Willie. From a racetrack veteran to just a beginner. There's one place that you want to go to find you a winner. As a matter of fact, I want to hit the exacta. There's only one site that you'll keep coming back to. So next time that the horses all line up at the post, make sure you use the website that'll win you the most Whether Churchill, Oakland, Gulfstream Parks and Matoga, and all tracks in between There's only one side to go to When it comes to your racing needs and all of your bets Plus it's got a catchy name that no one ever forgets RacingDudes.com For all of your needs RacingDudes.com For all of your leads RacingDudes.com For all of your bets RacingDudes.com As good as it gets RacingDudes.com For all of your needs RacingDudes.com For all of your leads RacingDudes.com for all of your bets, RacingDudes.com, as good as it gets. What is up, I'm Jared Welty, Darren Hoffman. It is Thursday, December 29th, the last Thursday of 22, and this is Flickers Off. What's up, man? What's up? Yeah, last uh, last show of the year, and it's going to be a good one. I, I'm pretty excited about what we've got here. Uh, not a handicapping show, but... I think more of a year-end uh, wrap-up and really debating also that three-year-old award that's continuing to get uh, hotly contested on Twitter and other things like that as well. So two uh, really good uh, things we're going to do today, and I, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, I mean, you have good racing, decent racing, some of the prep sort of like for the Pegasus, some of those races with your Colonel Liam's back, um, kind of in a prep for the turf. Not like we don't have racing this weekend, but we thought it's a good opportunity to kind of get on here. We've got previews for all those on our YouTube. So if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, make sure you do that. Um, just make sure you hit that subscribe button and you can get, you know, you can see all those videos of previews of those races. So we thought, let's go to tack this race or this, uh, this year uh, for the last time, really, because once 2023 hits, the next time you see us, um, you know, these two year olds are three and, and the, <laughs> the Derby trail is, as we say on the way, you know, it's, it's, it's like, so you don't look, not a lot of time to kind of, rehash 22 so it's a good good time to do that um and, and you know considering what we saw this past weekend we'll talk a lot about this in a little bit but what we saw this past weekend yeah you're right the, the debate between Taba and epicenter it's uh it's it's gonna be close man i really think i i see this going either way i could too yeah uh, i and that, it'll be a good debate to have and like i said the uh, the kind of the thing was, hey, if he wins at Malibu and he does it pretty impressively, then you're going to have a debate. And then here we are because he did win it very impressively, uh, kind of like you alluded to. And, yeah, you talked about the videos and literally two minutes before I got over here to this video stream, I did the first Kentucky Derby prep of 2023, which is the Smarty Jones Stakes from Oakland Park on Sunday. And uh, that'll be up and posted right after we get off of this. I'll post that one up for us. So a lot of preview videos, like you said, you can check those out if that's what you want. But I really think this Taba epicenter debate is going to be pretty awesome. And I think when we review the top 10 races of the year, we're going to look at this and go, holy shit, was this not a great year of racing? 
Remember back in the Pegasus uh, in January, we're like, this might be the best race we see in the last 10 years. And it was actually really good. And it's not number one or two or three on our list. That's how good this year was in racing. In fact, uh, I, I we, you gave you, you did your list. I did my list. We didn't, we, we compared like, all right, what, you know, what did we leave out? What didn't we, what, where, where we look at our top three was uh, initially was 100% exact order. So we don't no debates on that one. And then you had, I think you, you had Pegasus somewhere in the top five. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that was a 2022. And that, mm. I mean, I realized how insane that sounds, but to your point, that was a hell of a race. And I literally just kind of forgot. I knew, I remember the race, but I just, for some reason thought it was not this year, you know what I mean? Cause it's been that kind of year. Um, and so, yeah, we covered the bases here with, a, it, you're right. And we left off a lot of good races. Um, gosh, it's three, the you know, three-year-old crop flight lines on our list several times. Um, you've got, you know, like you say, epicenters on the list as well. So it's like, you know, Modonigal, you have a lot of horses that are, uh, three-year-olds, you know, the, the, the olders. So it was a hell of a year. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a good opportunity to kind of go back and look at that because dude, it was, and by the way, get, you know, while we're doing this, we're going to talk a little about the debate between Taba and epicenter, you know, give us your thoughts. What are your guys' favorite races? You know, throughout the, the show, we'll, we'll bring those up. Uh, talk about them if we don't have them on our list we'll talk about maybe we did uh kind of that was one of the ones we had to throw out but we liked um what was your like kind of most you know iconic race of the year we want to we want to know make sure you hit the the uh that chat and then uh, make sure you let us know um going through some of these comments yeah we had a oh, by the way merry christmas um uh, merry christmas to everybody out there hope everyone had a good christmas uh happy holidays of course and um decent obviously the malibu which we'll talk about with taba but you know decent uh, uh racing last weekend um two-year-olds we saw a few um i see a comment here i don't know yeah corona bolt yeah that horse was impressive uh for brad cox you talk about brad cox we've got i'm just looking at it i was looking at it earlier i didn't see it it must have just come out smarty jones um your your horse victory formation in there as well so Brad Cox, we're, we're starting to see, of course, Brad Cox, Jason Road won the uh, the gun runner. So the Brad Coxes are starting to kind of uh, show up. And uh, this could be a big kind of starting point for your horse victory formation. Yeah, Brad Cox also had a nice two-year-old uh, Philly uh, win a stakes race on the at fairgrounds as well. So, yeah, he's definitely loaded uh, with really good horses. And, yeah, victory formation, again, just completed that Smarty Jones. It's not out yet, but it will be out as soon as this comes out. Well, about 10 minutes after this is over, it'll be posted up on the YouTube page. And yeah, victory formation should be good. But, you know, we could talk about who should be. Let's talk about who is. And Corona Bolt won that as far as last uh, last weekend and who's the two-year-old that really impressed. It was Corona Bolt. Uh, we had Kentucky Derby prep races there in the gun runner. Jason's road looked okay, for sure, and, and is a horse to kind of take a look at, no doubt. But I thought Corona Bolt looked even better. Got to stretch him out. That's a big thing. Two races around uh, one turn. But look at that pedigree. And I don't think Corona Bolt should have too much trouble stretching out. Uh, we don't know about Bolt Duro yet, you know, as far as the sire goes. But, you know, listen, he looked really, really good. He did it with ease, very effortlessly winning that Sugar Bowl stakes there at Fairgrounds. So he's an exciting one. Without any doubt, he was the most exciting horse. Well, I don't know. Faustin for, uh, for Bob Baffert at Santa Anita on debut break in the maiden you could make a case for him too those two kind of won that that weekend so to speak yeah i know it was monday but it felt like a weekend yeah that was a uh that was a nice that was very impressive about faustin that, that horse is going to be uh widely uh claimed next week next monday um in the in the fantasy league because yeah it's a 
It's the Baffert horse who obviously showed a ton of talent and didn't win going on, you know, gate to wire like a lot of those, you know, two year old Baffert horses do on debut. This horse kind of was set patiently back and and kind of waited to come and uh, being a son of Tappet, obviously you think uh, it's going to get better with distance. It's going to get better with age and, you know, had that late kick, then he looked like he was just getting going when, when the race finished, you know? And so I thought that horse is going to stretch out really nicely. Yeah. He, I'm pretty excited about him. I, I think we'll have an eight or nine way shake for that horse on Monday for the fantasy league, or I guess it'd be Tuesday. The shake would happen because he, he kind of found some other gears you, you would say. And he didn't really like, like a lot of two-year-olds this early in the year when they're sprinting, they go out to the front and they just go get to wire. And it's like, well, it was impressive. This horse kind of came out of it. You know, he got stopped once or twice, still kept going. I thought he was really impressive. And with the pedigree that he has, he really shouldn't win a sprint race, right? I mean, this horse is bred to go long. You look at his pedigree and it's like, wow, he's pretty damn good. So like I said, I think we'll have a big shake for him. He was very impressive. He got an 89 buyer uh, for the effort. I think you mentioned. And, uh, you know, that's a solid debut without any doubt. And I don't think it's a horse that's going to just pop crazy going shorter. Like I said, I think he will build up. I think he'll get better as the distances get longer. But I saw as well, talking about buyers, uh, Colonel Bowl got a 97. Yes. That effort. I mean, that's that's no joke for a two-year-old. I, I think the only difference between the two is, like, Faustin seems like a slam dunk, like a backward slam dunk that they go longer, he gets better. Where Corona Bold, it's like, I think he will, but it, I don't really know. You know what I mean? But yeah. a 97 buyer, shit. I mean, I think, again, a pedigree that should stretch, right? Especially going a mile, mile 16, mile and eight. Maybe he doesn't get a mile and a quarter. Big deal. You know, for right now, this he's he's got plenty of tools. Yeah. he Listen, he earned it. Look at visually. Didn't you think that looked like a 97? I mean, he dominated that group. I texted you right after the race. I said, look. That's not a horrific field he faced. Like, it's not the greatest, but those horses could run that he was up against. He made them look terrible. Yeah, and, the, and I don't remember the name of the horse he beat on debut, um, but that horse came back to win by, like, four links uh, after that. So it's not like, I mean, this horse is beating good horses um, in route to these. And obviously, you've got to assume we're going to see him uh, somewhere down the road in that uh, fairgrounds um, circuit for brad cox it's going to be like we talked about last week uh you know it is starting to feel like you got a few that you can at least get excited about but you know it's still as we enter the the, the three-year-old season it still feels like it's just completely up in the up in the air as far as which of these this bunch of brad coxes and which ones of these bunch of bafferts and not to mention what are the baffert what's Faustin going to do what are we going to you know baffert's still fighting it but as it is now, he's not getting any points. You know, none of these horses are getting points. And so we're going to have the same thing we had last year. Um, you know, when, how long is it before they get transferred to another barn? And yep. will they get transferred to the, they, is it, is this year they just say, fuck it. We're not, we're just not doing the Derby. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of questions still in the air as we talk about, because we keep talking about all these Bafferts, but <laughs> the, the elephant in the room is they can't get to the Derby. Can I ask you a controversial question? We'll probably get terrible comments on Twitter. Or not Twitter, but our YouTube comments. What's that? At this point, this Baffert punishment, who is it really punishing? Oh, it's totally punishing, uh, you know, the fans. Betters, Betters, fans, people that like to follow this. It, yeah. This is a joke at this point. I'm sorry. It's I'm so over this. It's ridiculous. And I'm not a Baffert supporter at all, so stop with that comment. But at this point, this is a joke. I mean, this is it, – it's like – Every week you have to deal with this and stupidity. And, and again, the, the owners aren't didn't budge. 
And when they didn't budge, guess what? It punishes you, me, the people that like to follow the sport, the people that like to bet on the sport. And it feels like... You always get screwed, by the way, the betters. But anyway, go ahead. And we talked about it it the whole time, but it never fails. Like you... It's like you look at it over here, it's a, you know, Baffert, and he doesn't have any horses that can run the Derby, and, you know, he sucks. And then, then you look, then you flash over to, to TVG on a Saturday at Santa Anita, and they're like, all you see is Baffert. He won every stakes race, every dirt race this past weekend at, at Santa Anita, uh, including, like, what, three of them were great, uh, great at stakes. So it's like the dude is, like, just still living the life out there. Nothing's changed, you know. The, nothing, nothing's changed there. But it's just like we still have this other weird thing that's looming – over the sport it's just it's i i it's like okay whatever what I, to me it's like you should just find the dude like a couple mil and just let racing continue because it's just like no one it's like you said it's not punishing him clearly he doesn't you know and then it's not punishing uh uh you know racing itself it's just punishing the fans and the vetters yep because now okay you're punishing the fans because as a lead up to this this is all you talk about you hear this shit and it's punishing the betters because once they change the barns, you you have this unknown like aspect to it that you also have to handicap in a way. Yeah. And last year, you can't tell me it didn't screw those horses up to some degree. And also, you know, Baffert loses control of Taba, and then the plans change to Taba because, in my opinion, there's pressure put from the ownership group where maybe Baffert would have said, no, we're not doing it, where the new guys were like, oh, yeah, we'll do whatever you want. You own the horse. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe I'm just, you know, you know, going too far with that. But at the same time, I just feel like it adds this other dimension that doesn't it doesn't really matter. Like, Baffert's just going to get them right back after the derby's over, right? It's like no owner budged. Nothing happened with, happened with this. I mean, sure, maybe there was one or two. But most of these owners, the big ones, the one that matter, it didn't it didn't it didn't change anything for him. I, you know, I'm not going to not, well, I'll just say this. I'm not going to, there's no way the horse could have vowed for, you know, vied for horse of the year because of the horse thing flight line. But right. had Taba been, you know, whatever the case, whether if say Baffert just had him the whole time and he wasn't suspended, that horse, I feel like would have won one of the three legs of the, of the triple crown. And, probably would have been a contention for horse of the year because of the way they had to just stop and reset that horse after yeah. the, the spring because of what they tried. And, and to your point, and a lot, a lot of talk was we heard they were going to do uh, uh, like a, a race and then go to the Preakness, you know, yeah, Lexington, Preakness. Lexington yeah. to the Preakness. And then all of a sudden it's like, he's in the Derby. Um, it's Antonio and then, then the yeah, Kentucky Derby. So you're like, Oh, that, so, you know, you wonder if that would just, they just would have followed that you know, goes and runs well in the Preakness. Obviously, he could have won that and wins the Haskell, wins, maybe wins the trap, whatever the case may be. It, like That snowball, but instead they had to completely pause on the horse. Uh, and to your point, it's like all that was because of change of uh, of trainers and then maybe the ownership. I, I just don't know that that would have happened had it just stayed with Baffert. Well, and, and like Christopher said, it cost him life was good. That's not really what I'm talking about. Though. I'm talking about the Kentucky Derby Trail and the oddness that it's caused. And it really hasn't hurt Bob Baffert. It's hurt everybody that follows the, the you know, the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, Life is Good left him because Naira said, hey, you're not running horses here. That's basically why Life is Good left, right? But I'm talking about Kentucky Derby contenders. We all kind of thought, hey, when these horses, the, the upcoming two-year-olds, now he can't train horses to the Derby, these owners will go elsewhere. They didn't. And so now it's like, 
here we have another year where he has all the horses and he can't earn points. And at the end of the day, it's just like, okay, fine. Give him to Yakteen and Sean McCarthy. Like it's, it's all just a joke, right? I mean, he's the trainer for God's sake. Still, I don't care what anybody says. So at this point, I'm over it. And I know people are going to say, are you Baffert lover? And that's not the case. And you go back and listen to any of our shows. I, I roasted the guy, but look, it's to the point where it's hurting racing more than, than it's hurting him. Yeah. Well, Rodney's point. It's, it's so crazy. Like if I would have told you before the Derby, you know, he was our pick too, Rodney, as you know, um, Taba that is to win the, the Derby. And it's like, if I would have said, Hey, before the race, I would have said Taba's going to win. Let's like, we don't know for sure, but, good chance that his horse is going to be three year of the year. You've been like, great. Now I'm so confident like in that Derby pick, like that's the one race that he just completely was awful. in. um, it was obviously up against way too much asking way too much, but it's just kind of weird. And we'll get to that here in a sec with the year of it, how bad he was in that race yet still might win the three year old honors. So, yep. It's just been that kind of year. Um, no one really slammed the door, like you said, the, last week on the show, like kind of is given an opportunity for other horses to come in. And um, so let's talk about that, obviously. So today's show, let's debate it. Uh, I think we might be on the same page now. I don't know. Taba versus Epicenter as three-year-old male Eclipse champion of 2022. We'll talk about the the, the who's got the edge on each other. Obviously, the, the, the Eclipse Awards into January, we'll find out uh, kind of the result. But right now, it's hotter than ever after Taba dominated in the Malibu uh, on December 26th. So we got to talk about that debate. Taba versus Epicenter, obviously both horses are done for the year. And then we're going to give our top 10 races of 2022. Is it the Classic? Is it the Pacific Classic? The Kentucky Derby, maybe? Uh, the Pegasus World Cup? All these races that we're going to relive. We're going to show the replays. We're going to talk about it while it's going on. So stay tuned for that and make sure you give us your race of the year as well. Let's go. It is interesting when you look at Taba, and he was way up against it without any doubt in that derby. But you do kind of look and go, boy, if Bob was there, what would have happened? You wouldn't you love to know? Like maybe he gets 12 again. But and again, that comes back to the one aspect where we were just like, yeah, yeah whatever. Like Baffert's probably still the trainer, and you know, but it it did create even though it, we picked him, it it did create such a just such a question mark on on what we how we how to do it and who is it is he really good enough to win and you know who's really training them and it's just yeah. those little things that added a little bit of a wrinkle there that we're not normally you know used to um seeing with bob baffert you know so yeah. um yeah guys so let's just a lot of the comments here um he had one. He had his issues, and Bob fixed it. Tim wouldn't. Um, and I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I just think it is. Maybe I think ba I think Baffert knew. You even look the look at the way he runs now. Look at the way he ran in the in the Malibu. He's a lazy horse. He does not run smoothly in these races whatsoever until the very end. Um, he's a gutty horse, and you got to figure that out. And I think Baffert kind of knew that, which is why it's not really unrealistic of the, for Bob Baffert to maybe attempt a horse like Taba. We saw it with justify obviously um, to attempt that, but he knew maybe better not to even do that because of said issues and obviously forcing that horse down that path. And then of course 
unraveling it is you know they had to kind of reset it a little bit but the talent's always been there and i i think tabe has got a monstrous future in him if if uh he continues to develop i think he's a really good prospect for next year i can't i'm not gonna sit here and comment on what tim did or didn't do because i wasn't there i i feel like i really will and i don't know anything like behind the scenes about this this is just pure speculation on my point i want to make that very clear but I feel like if Bob would have been there, they would have went Lexington, Preakness, would have built him up a little better, wouldn't have tried to take that shot. And I get that the owner wanted to take it. I get it. I I get it. But at the end of the day, I think if Bob would have been around, they would have taken that logical path. And I would almost bet you money if they would have taken that path, Lexington, Preakness, we probably wouldn't be having the discussion we're getting ready to have. That's what I'm saying. Like, I I, I honestly think that horse could have been – you know, he wouldn't have been, obviously, I don't think he would have beaten Flightline ever in any kind of dream scenario, nope. but he would have been in the discussion, I believe, um, heading into it more so than kind of feeling like he's had to work his way back into it this whole year to kind of at the very end make his case. So, yeah, um, I'm with you. I, I think that that really, that really screwed him up a little bit. Um, all right. When are the Eclipse Awards? Who cares? <laughs> Oh, that's anybody know? <laughs> Ultimate doesn't care. I I gotta be clear. This is great before we go ahead and talk about this. I could not care less about the Eclipse Awards. I mean, there there there's no chance I could care less about anything more than those. Hate them. January 26th. Okay, great. I'll be watching not. <laughs> The Eclipse Awards are just uh, just about a month away here, and uh, obviously after Taba's dominating effort last uh, week, or I guess uh, on Monday, um, in the Malibu at Santina Park, this, we, we talked about it on last week's show, if he were to win, and if he were to win impressively, he really makes a case for the three-year-old male honors in the, this year's Eclipse Awards. Epicenter Taba, that seems to be the debate. Everywhere you go on Twitter, I think you know it's like as soon as he ran, it's like, well, Taba is or, or Epicenter still did this, and it's, it's a very interesting debate. Alterman back and forth. I got the stats up here on the screen, so if you're watching this, you know you can see the stats there. Taba this year seven seven starts, four wins, one second, one third, eight starts uh, for Epicenter, four wins, three seconds. So that's the killer right there. Um, and zero third. So they've both won four races this year. Now, Epicenter has made more money, especially with that Travers win, 2.8 million versus 1.9 million for Taba. But both have four wins. And more importantly than that, Taba, four of those wins, three of them are grade ones. Only one of those four for Epicenter was a grade one. So, Halterman, I'll give it to you. Thoughts, Taba, Epicenter. Okay. I want to make one thing very clear right now. If you're a voter and you vote Taba, I don't I don't blame you. If you're a voter and you vote Epicenter, I don't blame you. It's your opinion. It's what matters to you. And they made it close enough to where it's not an angry situation if you're picking one of, over the other. Now, if, if if Taba wouldn't have won, say, the Malibu, then, then I would be very angry if people are still picking Taba. But he did enough to make it interesting. And again, I, I, I'm not – if you're an Eclipse Award voter – and you're picking Taba, I'm not upset with you. If you're picking up Epicenter, I'm not upset with you. One thing is really bothering me, though, okay? It's this thought that Taba won three grade ones, so automatically he should be the pick. 
That is lazy voting, in my opinion. Really, really lazy voting, in my opinion. Because this graded system is definitely fine as far as, hey, here's how you stack up races and it gives everybody a general idea of what's going on. Let's take a look at what was in those grade one races versus what was in some of the grade two races that Epicenter ultimately won, right? The Santa Anita Derby was a horrific race. Stop, if you're going to argue with that. Stop. It was horrible. Messier is horrible. The rest of the horses in that race were horrible even before that race, okay? So that's number one. You look at Pennsylvania Derby, legit grade one without any question, right? That was a tough race. You look at the Malibu, it wasn't the greatest. And it was also a one-turn race. But I'll give him like half credit for that, for sure, right? Like that was a good win. He looked really impressive. Some of these grade two races, like the Jim Dandy, like Louisiana Derby, uh, like the Risen Star, they were stronger than some of the grade one races at table one. So I hate the, well, he now has three grade ones so that he's my pick. I do not like that reasoning whatsoever. Now, what I do like about Taba is I think he's better than Epicenter as far as talent. And I think he's he's kind of shown it, right? I mean, I really do. And I think that's really going to piss people off. This horse is raw as hell. Forget about the Derby. All of his other races have been fantastic. And honestly, if he kind of, if he just kind of knows where Cyberknife is, I think he wins the Haskell. And I think there's no debate about it whatsoever. And so that's why I say, if you're betting, if you're voting on Taba, I get it. I, I think. I think he is legit. Like, I think he deserves it. I think he had a campaign that deserves it. I still would lean towards Epicenter because he won the Travers, and I think that is a bigger win than anything Taba had. And I think some of those grade two wins were better than the grade one fields that Taba faced. And so just because they were labeled grade two really doesn't mean shit to me, Jared, because I look at the fields and I look at who they beat. And I think he beat better horses than, than those other two grade ones, not the Pennsylvania Derby, but the other two, the Taba beat. So that's why I would still go epicenter. Uh, he also got second in those big-time Kentucky Derby and Preakness races, races everybody in the world wants to win as three-year-olds. Uh, and Taba, through no fault of his own, was 12th in the Kentucky Derby. And I say that very confidently. Taba had every excuse in the world in the Kentucky Derby. I don't hold it against him, but... Epicenter was still second in that race and came back to get second in the Jim Dandy. So it's Epicenter for me, but I have no argument if you're if you're going to vote Taba. I mean, the fact that we're even having this conversation after that start with Taba and obviously the Derby, like I think if after the Derby you would have said he's going to be a three-year-old candidate of the year, you'd be like, yeah, right. There's no way, you know, because he, you may never see him again after that effort. It, listen, it's tough because if Taba and Epicenter race tomorrow and say they're all healthy and rested, blah, 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 I would pick Taba to beat Epicenter. I think he's the better horse, but I'm not, I don't think he had the better campaign. And I want to be clear again, through no fault of his own, right? I, I was on this podcast on the Haskell and you were like, I'm going to pick Taba. And I was like, he could win. But once again, he is put in a terrible spot by his connections. You're coming off a 12th in the Kentucky Derby, the fourth lifetime race. You're shipping him all the way across the country and run the Haskell. He has a ton of excuses to lose that race. And you picked him, and I didn't argue with it, but at the same time, it's impossible. They put him in impossible spots, and at times, he did the impossible. He shouldn't have won the Santa Anita Derby, right? And he did it. Um, you know, Pennsylvania Derby was still that was a tough spot for him, and he did it. Uh, so, And then all these two-turn races, and we cut him back to one term in the Malibu, and he did it. So he is super talented. I do think he is the better horse as far as talent goes. 
I just think Epicenter's body of work is just a bit stronger than Taba's. And I'm just going purely on resume when it comes to who I would pick. All right. So I think we are going to disagree a little bit here because I, even though I do understand your point, the bottom line is for me, three grade ones to Epicenter's one is just, there's to me, there's no debate there. Uh, I get that the as far as it's not, I mean, it's no one's fault, I guess, if they're labeled grade ones or grade twos now. Um, and so to that point, I wanted to go through, I went through and I did some, some fact checking, some background checking here in the last, say, 10 to 12 years. Obviously, two of them were, were Justify and Pharaoh. Those were given. They won the Triple Crown. There was no really debate, um, obviously, that those two years. But uh, the other ones, um, so you go back to 2021, Essential Quality, he had two grade ones. Authentic, 2020, had three grade ones. Maximum Security had three. Uh, West Coast had two. Arrogate had two. California Chrome actually had four. That's the most ever, well, at least in the last 12 years. Um, well, maybe maybe not if you don't count Pharaoh. Um, four on that. Will Take Charge had two. Pennsylvania Derby was only grade two that year, so it would have been three. Um, so again, you're making my point. These grades don't really matter. All of another had three. And, and now here, this one was an interesting one. Looking at Lucky in 2010, a two grade one wins. 2011, this was a, probably the most somewhat com comparison I could find. Animal Kingdom had one grade one that year, and that was a derby, right? That was the only grade one he won that year. In the voting, if you remember, that was extremely close with Caleb's posse that year. Mm -hmm. Caleb's posse had 111 votes that year to 114 from Animal Kingdom. Now, Caleb's posse had two grade one wins. So he actually had more grade one wins, but mm -hmm. they were sprinting. They were one turn races, or, you know, the dirt mile, at the, it, but not that classic, you know, but you had that big win. So to your point, I wanted to make sure I, I included this stat because to what you're saying, that's the, that is an example of, okay, Caleb's posse may have been the better horse from a perspective of, hey, he won a Breeders' Cup race. Hey, he was, he won more grade one races. But Animal Kingdom won the big, the big one, and he was maybe just a better horse. And if you look at Epicenter, even though he has less grade ones than Taba, he won the Travers, which is probably second to winning the, the Kentucky Derby. And so that is going to be a big factor, I think, for the voters of, yeah, he's still only won one grade one. It was a Travers. The race that everybody wants to win outside of the three Triple Crown races. Yeah. And the other race that everybody wants to win out of three tri triple crown races, Taba didn't win. And so that, again, Epicenter missed his chances. He could have won the Derby. If he won the, won the Derby, won the Preakness, we're not talking about it. Taba wins a Haskell, we're not talking about it. And that's why we're here, right? Again, these three grade ones are crazy to me. First of all, where do you have Jack Christopher ranked? Who? Where do you have Jack track Christopher? Is he second on your list? Uh, as far as the top three, three of the year, yeah, top three year old horse of the year, yeah. No, I'd I would still, I'd still put Epicenter second. Well, Jack Christopher won two Grade Ones. Yeah, but they weren't in the quality of Epicenter's Grade One, Grade One. Why? Because it's the it's the it's the Travers. Travers has more more weight than the the races the races that uh, that Jack Christopher uh, won. Taba winning three Grade Ones, even though the Pennsylvania Derby was uh, legit. Um, 
I still think that the San Antonio Derby has a lot more stock to it than you're giving it. Um, and I, I do think that the fact that he came back and won a race that he, you know, a one turn race, uh, was impressive. So I just, the way, listen, you also have a recency factor that's going to come into play here. The last time we saw Epicenter, he's being vanned off. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate because if he would have ran that race and ran his race, it, it could like you like it could have ended the debate yeah. then that day. Um, Honestly, it could have ended it either way because if he gets if he runs and gets fourth behind Taba, then I would probably have to lean with Taba, right? Yeah. And if he gets yeah. second or third ahead of Taba, then you'd you'd lean Epicenter. Yeah. And I, and I was talking to Magic earlier today, and and you know he's obviously you know there's a a, a leader of uh, the Epicenter fan base. It's him, and and he's like, listen. I hate to say it, but unfortunately, Tabe is probably going to win it, you know, because the biggest fact is, like, he's still running, you know, and Epicenter's not. And I, I get that's hard. That's pretty unfair, uh, considering when he was running earlier in the year, Tabe wasn't, right? Yeah. Um, and so, but it's all about recency and how, and that's how the voters are going to look at, um, not necessarily what Epicenter was doing earlier in the year, but what's he doing now? What's Tabe doing now? And that was the fact that he just came off a dominating effort in the Malibu. Yeah, no, and I get it. And again, I'm not arguing that Taba. My biggest argument is this three grade ones versus one grade one is just complete shit. And I just, I don't get why people can't see it. I, I'm not arguing. If your argument is, I think Taba's the better horse, great. If your argument is, look, he came back and ran fantastic despite being in tough situations, great. If your argument is, hey, look, I think he would kick Epicenter's ass, great. If your argument is, I just look at the, look at it and say, well, three grade ones versus one, and that's it. I hate that. You know, I just hate it because, to me, the Risen Star and the Louisiana Derby were both tougher than the San Anita Derby, and to me, the Jim Dandy and the Pennsylvania Derby was about the same. And now we're given credit for a seven furlong grade one win, which I'm fine with completely. But also, you're going to hear the same people that are giving credit for that have Jack Christopher nowhere to be found because, well, yeah, he has two grade ones, but. They were both in one-turn races. But wait, you just said Taba got three grade ones, and so I'm putting him on top because of that. But wait, one of them wasn't a one-turn race. Let's not forget that. So, I mean, if Jack Christopher wins the Malibu, is he now the horse of the year for three-year-olds? No. Right? And so Taba's resume, as good as it, as it is for what he was put through, still is flawed in a lot of ways, in my opinion, when it comes to trying to say, He's a dead fast lock over Epicenter to win this race or to win this three year old race, I should say. Well, I mean, I think the, you know, I, I brought up the, the point there with the yeah. Animal Kingdom. That's a, that's a really good example because once he won um, the Derby, yeah, he did finish second in the Preakness, similar to what Epicenter did. But, sure. you know, since then, he, he, he didn't do, I mean, he, he ran, they ran the horse in the Breeders' Cup. Um, but of course, the horse, uh, the next year, but the, the horse, we didn't see a horse again after the Belmont and mm-hmm. uh, that year. And he still won horse of the year. And to your point that you're saying, Caleb Posse kept running. It, Caleb Posse was on the Derby trail and they obviously cut him back and then yeah. rest history. So even though he cut that gap, they still gave more to the horse that won the Derby won the big race, won was the horse. We hadn't seen the horse win a race since May and the horse still won, even though Caleb Posse just won the Breeders' Cup. So there's going to be a lot of factors going into, hey, even though the last time we saw Epicenter win was back in the summer of the Travers, it was the Travers versus a one-turn race in the Malibu. I want to get to Matt's point 
here because I think people might be missing what I'm saying. I'm not saying the Jim Dandy was a fantastic, great race. I'm saying just because the Jim Dandy was a grade two and the Santa Anita Derby was a grade one does not mean the Santa Anita Derby was a better race. A, it had six horses in the race. B, it had Messier, and that's it. It had nobody. Let me read. It had Happy Jack, Armanac, Win the Day, and a Forbidden Kingdom who couldn't get a mile and an eighth if he jumped in the back of a pickup truck. It had <laughs> nobody in the race. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying the Jim Danny was a was a star-studded field. I'm saying if you're looking at this and you're going, well, I got a favorite table because the Santa Anita Derby was a grade one and a Jim Danny was a grade two, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. When you that's compare the saying. two like these, that. These that's... labels of these grade ones, these grade twos, when you get to that level in their preps for bigger races, it's just kind of a matter of who's ready to run at that moment. You're trying to time it up to the big race. The Jim Dandy is a prep for the Travers. The San Diego Derby is a prep for the Kentucky Derby. And so it's just, it's, it's just kind of luck who falls where in what spots. Like the Arkansas Derby was a grade one race, you know, the, but, but you go to the Wood Memorial and it's a grade two, but the Wood Memorial had Mo Donegal in the race, right? Who won the Belmont. So yeah, the Modon was a better horse in the Wood Memorial than anything that was in the San Diego Derby minus Taba, obviously. These preps, I don't know why they've got them all graded differently, but we as people and as handicappers and hopefully as voters can use our brains and click on the thing where it says who's in the race and look at the fields, right? That's what I'm saying. I'm saying don't be lazy. If, if the San Diego Derby is a grade one and the Louisiana Derby is a grade two, click on the fields and look who was actually in the race. Yeah, Mark says, uh, and I wouldn't disagree. The most Im impressive three-year-old uh, uh, performance was probably in the Travers that day. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I said, no, I agree with Aaron. I think Tava is just more talented, better. Than, I and mean, that yeah, is I great. That's I think, great. I think so. No argument. Um, it's certainly the closest one that I can remember, at least in recent years. And it's unfortunate that the two times we got to see them, one time Taba, um, you know, obviously was that he, the Derby was the Derby and he, you know, he, they rushed him into the race. And then the next one, Epicenter got hurt, you know? So we just really never got to see those two match up. It could have, that could have uh, eliminated any kind of discussion here. Another good comment. The Florida Derby was a great one this year. You guys tell me what was what was better, the Florida circuit or the Louisiana circuit, right? <laughs> uh, Again, yeah, use your brain when it comes to these graded things. They're not, it, it's not an exact science. And I'm not even mouthing the graded stakes committee. You can't predict who's going to show up in these races when you grade the races before the year starts, right? Like, I get it. It's, it's tough. Like, historically, yes, the San Diego Derby is a great race. This year, it, it really wasn't. There's really no argument that it was past Tava. Yeah, and to Richard's point, he, yeah, he made more than $1 million. Uh, mm -hmm. The Travers, obviously, is a huge race. But he also, those, some of those races that are great twos were, were still worth a lot of money. Um, and that's going to go into that as well. So um, I if you're a voter, uh, I know John's a voter. He, I know he in his latest column, he, he's, he's voting for Tava. Um, I think you're going to have a lot of people do, doing that in terms of just kind of the recency, plus the fact of, to your point, if you want to just, I just think he's better. Tava's better. Um, and and you want to give the better horse 
in my opinion, the award. Maybe that's not always the case, but for me it is. And uh, that's why I would vote Tabum. Yeah. And I guess, you know, John, I, I think, I think he's justified, obviously, voting Tabum. I said it before. He has brought up that three grade ones and it does stick with stick, stick right in my side. I don't, I just, I don't like it. I don't like that argument. And John, I respect him about more than anybody else in the world, really, but I don't like that argument. I really don't. I, and I, I think, again, if you're voting table number one, I, I don't, I don't have a problem with it because he's done enough. But if it's just because three grade, grade ones versus one, I, I hate it. All right. Well, there sounds like we, I don't know if we, I don't know if we've, uh, so you, if you're voting, if you had a vote in this thing, you would vote epicenter. I still would vote epicenter. Um, and really it's based on a lot of the principles that I was taught, you know, great, uh, grade one wins going one turn don't mean quite as much. And let's look at the fields. Let's look who they beat. Who did they beat? And I, and also, you know, again, I'll say it. Epicenter could have made this very easy. Beat Rich Strike. He won problem, one race yeah. this year. Beat Rich Strike in the Kentucky Derby. There's no debate. And Haskell, or when, when the Haskell for Taba, and there's no debate. They could have made it a lot easier. They didn't. I said it last week. Anytime now, you leave it up to the voters' hands, and it's not a logical situation. Either camp, the Taba camp or the Epicenter camp, they can't really be mad because you could have made this a slam dunk, and they just weren't quite good enough to do it. Whether it's Epicenter, just wasn't quite good enough to hit hit one of those big time wins early on in the season or whether it's Taba just wasn't quite good enough to overcome what they asked him to do. I guess there's a, the, 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 uh, the heart in you wants to, you know, it's like, you'd love to see Epicenter win it. The horse will never run again. Obviously he's going to be retired and he's going to uh, go to stallion and Taba, I would say is on, is a morning line favorite as we stand here today to win horse of the year next year. And so he's, he could still win an award. Um, so you'd like to see Epicenter kind of go out on top, so to speak, even though, the last time we saw him on the track, he was a Van Doff. So to me, even though I am a Taba guy, I can't not really going to go wrong here in terms of the results because I think both horses are very deserving of it. I think it's interesting that we are both kind of like, whatever happens, it's okay. That doesn't seem to be the case on Twitter. It's been a hard debate, and a, I'm on one camp or the other camp. I know. Um, I, I'm with you. I don't really care either way who wins. I, I'm not going to sit here and argue with it. Like I said, John White uh, has said in his column he's picking Taba. I'm not. I'm not going to tell him he's done for it. I, I think it's very much justified to pick him. Um, you know, if I if somebody made me vote table over Epicenter, I wouldn't feel sick about it. I think they both are deserving, and it's just going to come down to a vote. I don't know. I think one seven to five and one eight in one's eight to five as far as the morning line would go in this. I think it's going to be close. I, it's going to be interesting. It's they definitely made it tough on the voters this year. I don't really envy people for having to try to decide this mythical award. <laughs> you, just Sorry. To, you just had to jab that in there didn't you um all right january 26th i know uh Hawthorne will be watching mike you watch with them to watch the eclipse award see who gets that uh award honestly i'm in the industry and i'm like anytime the eclipse awards roll around I, i'm like i'm trying i mean like i'm for half a second i'm like i'm gonna like see just kind of get an idea like an up-to-date on who's winning these and then i'm like i can't find anything and then all of a sudden i'm just like forget it i'll just get an email about it later and that's how i'm in the industry so anyways we'll see who wins the three-year-old honors uh i've got uh taba halterman's got epicenter so our votes are washed but we'll find out uh next month <laughs>
2022 is almost a wrap. All the grade ones are completed. Yes, we are still talking about grade ones. And, uh, you know, what a great time to, you know, as we are sitting here December 29th, only a few days left, to, to kind of revisit some of the big races of the year. Um, Halthman compiled his top 10. I compiled my top 10. We kind of combined them. We fought over a little bit, get an arm wrestle, who, we, who got the last choice. And uh, we came up with our top 10 performances, top 10 races of the 2022 season and uh i don't know about you alterman but it was uh it was super fun going through these um you know there was some that, I, that you kind of like i didn't include or i made a list and I, then i went back and watched it and i thought like, damn man that was a good race like maybe that does deserve to be in here um it, it felt, kind of felt like that kind of year and by the way taba did not make this list epicenter did so there you go i don't know maybe that solves the answer but all right so let's kick things off and by the way, if you guys are uh, in the chat here, if you're listening to this, or if you're watching this later on the comments, make sure you make sure you send your comment. Let, uh, let us know what your race is. You know, what, it doesn't even have to be like the best performance. It could be the one you made a ton of money on or one that just kind of gave you all the feels. Yep. Um, whatever the case may be, uh, you know, we want to know about it. And speaking of the feels, how about number 10? <laughs> uh, yeah, Cody's Wish winning the Dirt Mile at the Breeders' Cup. I mean... You and I were there, Alterman, and, and it really was hard to, to, even though we didn't make money on this race, it was one of those where you're just like, you know what, that's awesome. Definitely. I thought this was a great race, and Cyberknife ran fantastic in here. And who knows, this would have been a grade one race for Cyberknife. Maybe he would be thrilled to be here if he wins it. But, uh, you know, we really like the two horses coming in as well, but the, the story of Cody's Wish is amazing. And uh, it was such a ding-dong battle, uh, for lack of a better phrase, with, with man, Cyberknife taking over, and it's like, he's going to win. And then Cody's Wish comes to him, and it's like, okay, now we're going to now we're gonna see Cody's Wish go by. And then Cyberknife battles back. I can remember being in that Breeders' Cup uh, betting challenge room and everybody just screaming. This was this was a good one. I, I, I had the Kentucky Oaks at 10, and then you mentioned this one. I said, no, put this one at 10. It was a better race overall. You know, you got to get a lot of credit. We're going to see Cyber Knight's last race here in the Pegasus World Cup. Um, but you got to get a lot of credit to him. He, he he ran his ass off here. You know, he really did. And even when it kind of looked like um, Cody's wish was going to make his move and, and kind of go right by him, Cyber Knight dug in. He fought him off as hard as he could. And and Cody's wish was just too good. Um, and, you know, I know you had Cyber Knight. We had Cyber Knight. And still, at the same time, you're like, I don't care. That was awesome. Oh, 100%. When you get to this point right here, if you're watching live, I'm like, come on, Cody, get up there. And then the re-rally, and I'm like, oh, my God, Cyberknife is a beast. He's going to win. And then, like I said, Cody just kept coming, man. And he beat Cyberknife, and then he beat Jackie's Warrior the time before. He reeled off so many wins in a row. Cheers. Like that that was a performance of a lifetime. Like I said, maybe the best. No, maybe. There you see on the screen, the best feel-good story of the whole year. Yeah, Cody's I mean, right game. there. That's When they started showing that and the and – the, and Columbus had this incredible um, call with the race. It was just like, dude, how do you, I mean, and that, you know, even us walking around, you know, uh, Keeneland and, and you know, obviously anyone there is, is, is betting on horses. And uh, you could just tell everyone was just like, that's awesome. That what, what, what can you really do here? This is so cool. So in the, in the winter circle, let me look at the tears and it, they even, I watched the after, you know, and they, the announcers were choked up a little bit about it and, just a really uh, bigger than horse racing kind of moment. So to me, it definitely deserved to be in the top 10. Great. All right, what do you say? Let's go to number nine. 
And look at the beard. Um, number nine. <laughs> Thanks, YouTube. How about the Breeders' Cup Turf? Rebels Romance. Uh, a horse that for some reason got forgotten, Halterman, um, from the Applebee barn. Everyone wanted to go with the other Applebee, and he said, hang on a second. And he showed us why this horse uh, should have been the play all along. What do you think of this one? Well, he, he got forgotten because Applebee lied to everybody. <laughs> he said he liked the other one better. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, Rebels Romance was a lot of fun. Uh, the horse floated up in price because of what you were talking about there, what we were talking about. But uh, this was just fun. And, you know, it, it it was a it's a race. I feel like a lot of people, oh, maybe that's not fair. Maybe I'm putting words in people's mouth, but it's kind of the forgotten race in a way. But holy hell did this horse put on an absolute show down the stretch that we're going to see here. And he kind of showed, he, listen, he was undefeated coming in. He had been beating those horses over in Europe. He smashed this group. This was fun to watch live. I and mean, they kind of, they get, they kind of bunch up there. And then you see him emerge and you're like, oh man, who is that real quick? Bam. Cody's way. Or <laughs> Cody's wish. Rebels romance. It was awesome. <laughs> I mean, this was, uh, this was one of those that honestly, it was as, from a betting standpoint, I was so mad at myself. Cause I, you know, you and I both had picked Rebels romance and, uh, or you know, from the whole the whole time, and and even us were like, damn, you know, like I I think he's the one. But after the Applebee comments, I really wanted to play a like a hundred, two hundred dollars straight uh, double into Flightline because I was very confident in Flightline winning, and I was confident in this. That thing paid. I think I want to say it was uh, it was five to one, maybe higher um, on that double, and it's just like, dude, that was free money. Any, free money and you let a guy talk you off of it and of course that guy happened to be the trainer but still like when you look at this performance you, the thing that he said it was like he was a little bit worried about the turn with the turns for him but if he got through the turns that he'd be really tough and once they kind of hit the stretch here you kind of knew if you had him if you were confident enough to stay on him you had this thing won yeah, absolutely and it's look at him. I mean, look at this horse come. This is just incredible effort by this horse. And it, it's one of those things where it's just like, I'm so glad I stuck with him, <laughs> you know, because I would have been so mad if I jumped off of him. And a lot of people did. And I feel terrible because I don't blame you guys. <laughs> but yeah, he was, he was much the best here. Yeah. After the race, you're just like, well, there you go. That was smart to not yeah. play that horse. But uh, anyways, um, Hey, thanks shoddy. Thank you, Shoddy. Shoddy's trying to get. You know, you can't. You, know, you can't bribe. You know, in this league. Well, maybe you can. But all right, let's go to number eight. Nest in the coaching club, American Oaks. This performance here, Halsman, was just an incredible, incredible effort at Saratoga. Where else? Um, just had to be on the list. Listen, it was. It was amazing, and uh, we came into this race. It was kind of the rematch. Can Ness get revenge on Secret Oath after Secret Oath got the best of her in the Kentucky Oaks? Of course, Ness coming off a runner-up in the Belmont Stakes, where with a cleaner trip, I'm not going to sit here and say she wins, but it may have been close or closer, or maybe she does win. But anyway, uh, this race was breathtaking because she left no doubt. And by the way, we talked about the debate, Taba, Epicenter, blah, blah, blah. This is how you win an award. You dominate the big races you're supposed to, and Ness did it, and Ness left no doubt. She should be unanimous for three-year-old Philly of the Year. Probably won't. 
uh, because the the dude out in California will probably bet or vote for the horse that run like 20 times because he likes that. But anyway, I thought Nest, uh, this race, breathtaking. I was standing around the rail and uh, they ranged up and I was standing with Vinny from Real Dynasty and we're like, all right, here comes Secret Oath, here comes the showdown. And then we just died laughing because it's like, no, there's no showdown. <laughs> She's just going to dominate this race. It was fun. Yeah, you thought for half a second, he was like, at this moment, I was watching at home and I thought, oh yeah, here we go. Here we go. This is what we wanted. And then you realize, uh-oh. Of course, I had Nest, but still, Secret Oath is getting pumped on, and uh, they're just cruising on Nest. You knew this thing was over now. Yeah, the amazing oh. part about it was the Secret Oath still ran second, you know? Like, it's yeah. not like the horse just stopped. No, Nest just beat the shit out of her. Well, poor Secret Oath ran second twice to this horse and ran really, really well, and most years would have won, but, like, just couldn't even touch this horse up at Saratoga. Look at her just go. I mean... Like I said, Secret Oath just battling there for a second and it's over for Ness. This was awesome. Look at that. John, John listening to the show. He's commenting in the show uh, privately to our group chat. Number 10. Yeah, John's John, not happy. Cody's <laughs> wish. Yeah, he's, by the way, I just want people to know he's wrote, he wrote a whole multiple paragraph response yeah. to Halsman of why, basically why Halsman's dumb. I knew he would get upset. I did. And okay. again, I want to make it clear. I didn't say that's the only reason, but I did say I don't like that that's one of his reasons. I'm that's glad he I'm called saying. you out on it because you deserved it because you are. I knew he would and it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This one you got. Oh, whoa, whoa. Hey, what? Halsman. What? Oh my God. What have you been watching? <laughs> Wow, thanks YouTube. Shotty gave heart, some hearts to that one. She loved that. Okay, um, all right. Number seven, Belmont Stakes. Mo yeah. Donegal, that this race for some reason feels like it almost didn't happen, it was so long ago. It does, and it, it kind of feels like, man, maybe it should be a little bit higher, but we had so much great racing. I kind of alluded to that earlier in the podcast. When you look back at this, it's like, holy hell, was this a good year for racing? This was great. Uh, Mo Donegal ran a fantastic race in here that we're going to see. Uh, Skippy Longstocking ran a fantastic race in here and kind of helped set it up for Mo Donegal and Ness in this spot. As you see, we have the people out there kind of on his own, but you're going to see Skippy kind of go up and try to challenge him. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, in the whole Fletcher one to Exacta and Ness, the Philly, kind of story. And man, she just kept coming and coming. It was, it, it, this really stuck out at me as something special. Dude, I, I I had so much um, love for for Skippy Logstong in this race. This horse just ran so well here to not to, to really set the race up for these horses, but to to put the pressure on we the people the entire way around and to still hang on and try. Like this horse ran just a, a completely gutty race here. Kind of one of the unsung heroes of the race, I thought, because he did all the dirty work for the rest of them. I felt like. It still hung around, and it's a nice horse. No, no, no question. No question. By the way, he's back this weekend in the Harlands Holiday, uh, the local prep for the uh, Pegasus at Gulfstream Park. So see if Skippy will get it done this weekend. That'll be fun to kind of watch him kind of back in an in a easier spot than what they've kind of asked him to do lately. But, yeah, he, he, he put enough pressure. We the people starts to fade a little bit, and then, boy, here comes Mo Donegal. This move here at the top of the stretch is like, yeah, we're not losing. And you see a nest, the three horse there on the rail. She just, she had to check a little bit. She had to wait a little bit. And Mo Donegal, her stable mate, just kind of gets the jump on her. Yeah, right here is when they kind of had to make that decision. And unfortunately, Ness got bottled up and had to check. 
do you think Ness would have uh, would have made this thing a lot closer had this horse got a better trip there? Yes, I think it would have been tight, very tight. I, I think Mudonagal still wins it. I think it gets very, very close. By the way, Nick Feldman, this is another reason why we're debating this. If Mo Donegal doesn't get hurt, does he win those big races in New York this year? And is he the three-year-old of the year? He wins the Belmont here, and who knows how good he could have been. Look at Ness come. I mean, look at Ness. Like, she is fighting every inch. But Mo Donegal's kind of keeping her at bay down, down the stretch, or down the last 50 yards. Mo Donegal was awesome. And to yeah. someone's comment here, um, maybe this horse does win three-year-old of the year if if uh, stays healthy, right? Maybe. You know, a horse that didn't run terrible in the Derby um like so many either did or didn't uh wins this race could could have gone on to win you know traverse say or something like that and you know you never know what the what would happen but yeah definitely a horse that yeah this is all <laughs> look at this um <laughs> this is awesome so yeah there was it's uh, a horse that definitely and look at this, like the, those two horses mo donegal and nest um would have been a hell of a year for ripoli to get both those horses uh, to finish the year. You know, let's assume Mo Donegal would have went to the Haskell or the Jim Dandy. So we could have got Haskell, Mo Donegal versus Taba versus Cyberknife, which would have proven a lot. And then that uh, Jim Dandy, we would have had uh, there with Epicenter, which could have proven a lot. So it's pretty unbelievable to think what could have been with this horse. I don't know, maybe unbelievable is the wrong word. Maybe it's a little sad to think what could have been because he was coming on strong. But you know, to, and to that point, it's like, it's kind of like in football. You know, it's like, how many times do you want to say, like, oh, that guy would have been amazing, but he just could never stay healthy? Well, that's part of it, right? For sure. Yep. Unfortunately, that, I mean, I get it. Like, a horse is ultra. That's why we all, that's why we kept talking about flight line. It's like, if he goes and doesn't win in the classic or say he got hurt before the classic, it is, it would have been like this weird kind of blip where this horse freaked for a couple of races and that was it. Like, you got to show up and you got to stay healthy. And that's why he'll never be like the best horse of all time because he had such a short career. Yep. Like that's just like that's just the reality of it. And that's yep. unfortunate. I mean, that's like and to go back to Epicenter, it's kind of a similar argument you can make um for him as well. All right. Speaking of Epicenter, why don't we go to Epicenter makes the list in the Travers. And we have an ad, but still Epicenter dominated the only three-year-old i believe on our list no rich strike is going to be coming up in a second but the only three-year-old that's in the three-year-old honors uh list there that made our top 10. well and i think it was because this was just a breathtaking performance right and uh honestly the pennsylvania derby with, with taba was just as breathtaking but it's a pennsylvania derby you know and this is the travers so this one always sticks out in your mind a little bit more um, you know, coming into the race, you kind of thought, what is Epicenter? Can he finally do it? Can he finally get that grade one? And he gets it done here with such ease. And, you know, we were both there. This was a really special day. Of course, Ain't Life Grand's in this race. Unfortunately, uh, he's up a little too close to the pace and gets cooked here. But uh, to see Epicenter sit that stocking trip, and, you know, he's had horses had all kinds of weird trips. He's up at the front or he's way in the back. This is his spot. This is where he really excels when he's right there in this third, fourth stocking spot. And the whole time you kind of thought, okay, he's going to get it done today. He's got a big shot today. Yes, he yes, uh, Yeah, he was very good in the Travers. Yep. Um, boy, I mean, this was one, you know, we had a pretty pretty large bet on Epicenter here. And uh, just one where you, once they asked him, you knew this thing was not going to be close. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, once he kind of tipped forward, you're like, okay, where's Cyberknife? He's not stopping, but it's over. <laughs> you know, you knew Epson had it. And how much did he just like flourish at Saratoga? Because the Jim Dandy was pretty damn good too in a paceless race, and he's last of the field and just loops him. And then look at this. I mean, same kind of thing. I mean, just incredible. Like, you know, the way he was able to kind of run different styles uh, in his career this year and, and this this case, you know, came off of it a little bit. And then right here, you just knew. I mean, you got like you said, you got to give credit to Cyberknife. He definitely fought and tried hard. But Epicenter, you talk about a horse that was ready to go that day, a horse that had been prepared for his biggest effort that day, and it certainly was. Well, and you know, another you talk about injuries. I think he would have ran as a four-year-old. Him and Taba as a four-year-old, like say the Pegasus or wherever they met, would have been must-see TV. You know, and even what would have been must-see TV if Epicenter doesn't get hurt in the Classic, because then again we would the debate would kind of be over in a lot of ways, right? Because one would beat the other in a legit situation. And that's the other thing. The other time they matched up in the Kentucky Derby wasn't really a legit situation for Taba and that also muddies the water it's like yeah you know Epicenter beat Taba in the Derby who cares like a lot of horses beat him in the Derby and then yeah well Taba beat Epicenter in that in the uh, classic well he got hurt you know so both of them not ideal so that's kind of sad we'll never see that matchup between those two heavy hitters with a fair situation I know all right top five coming up and we got one horse that shows up three different times <laughs> in the top five that's how you know it's, it was that good of a year for him number five hard to believe this race is number five Halterman, the met mile flight line versus speaker's corner coming into this race on fire as well and look at this flight line breaks tries to get pratt tries to go speaker's corner says nope not going letting you go by me uh cutting off tries to do it again says nope cutting you off one more time not gonna let you get it by me yet and so pratt just says okay we'll have to sit and wait here for a second and that's what he did and at this time you know this was a big test for flight line still we did not quite know what he was and you kind of were a little worried at that point this was unbelievable because of what you just laid out and it's it's so true the trip was so like oh shit because he never really had to do this before and then we had a huge bet on Flightline. We, we had singled Flightline. Well, we had a huge exacta bet uh, with him and Happy Saber too. And it's like, oh shit, is he go what's he gonna do? And then right here, you're like, oh, he's gonna absolutely dominate this horse and break him. And he does. And, and I knew Flightline was supremely talented, but this was the day I knew that he would never lose as long as he showed up. Because to get cut off and not get frustrated and not get headstrong and just do exactly what Fl Flavian asked, it's like, no. He's the most talented horse in the country, and he can can be smart when he needs to be smart. And he used that to his advantage in the next two races, too. Um, and I think they learned something. Uh, you know, Sadler set out for this race. We wanted him in front, uh, but I think they learned, you know what? He didn't. We don't have to gun this horse. He's not the type that you have to have. He has to have the lead. Like, life is good. Who has to have it? They learned here. This horse doesn't have to have the lead. He'll do whatever you ask him. I mean, yeah, this is... That, that's the thing, Nick, and I think this was like the moment where you're saying too, Halton, where you're just like, okay, now this horse is different. Like, we knew the Mal when I watched the Malibu, last year's Malibu, that was a moment for me where I was like, okay, this horse isn't like real. Like, this is a special, special horse. But when I watched this race, it was like, okay, he's more than that because yeah. he showed that he does, like, things can go completely against him in a race and he doesn't need that 
lead kind of horse. Like he showed a complete different, uh, you know, going across the country, running, you know, everything was against him in this race. And he did that still. He's a, he was, he was kind of a bit of a burner, so to speak. He just ran really, really fast, really, really early. And so I was a little bit worried about him going long until this race. When I saw this race, I said, I have no doubt in the world he will go as long as they ask him. Why? Because he can sit. He doesn't have to have the lead. He doesn't have to burn. Again, I'll make it clear again, like life is good. We watch all these races, like he's a burner. He's just gonna go as fast as he can, as far as he can. This horse, this day, oh, he's really, really intelligent too. Yeah, good luck. You're not gonna ever beat him. Nope. No, I, at that moment, I felt pretty confident no matter where they decided. And when they said Pacific Classic after this, you and I both said, okay, he's number one in my classic rankings. Yeah, single, easy winner. Literally that from that moment, but after that race, when they said we're going to the classic or we're pointing the horse towards that direction, you and I both talked to each other and we're like, hey, this, this is number one on my list. Yep. Because if that's where they're pointing and I just saw what he did, how am I not gonna use this or pick this horse? Well, when you have a horse like this and you have a guy like Sadler who's been around the block a few times, you know, they don't wanna get this horse beat. So they're not gonna go a mile and quarter unless they're really confident. All right, number four, we'll get back to flight line a couple more times. Number four, a race that you may have forgotten completely happened this year. I know I did for half a second. Number four, the Pegasus World Cup, life is good. This happened almost uh, almost a year ago, it seems. I mean, it really is coming up on the Pe Pegasus this year. And don't forget the Breeders' Cup Classic winner against the Dirt Mile winner, life is good, run in here. And real quick into this race, you knew Nick's go is in trouble. Horse racing is such a funny sport, isn't it? Because this had such hype. I mean, one of the most hyped races that I can remember, and for good reason, these horses were so good. And I remember watching this and thinking, they'll never beat this horse. He's so good, this life is good. He absolutely took it to a horse in Nick's go that's never behind. He's never in second or third, since with Brad Cox anyway. And not only is he behind, he's light years behind. He needs a tele telescope to see life is good up there. <laughs> and I just thought, this is unbelievable. We, this is the best race of the year. This is the best horse we'll see. And it's number four on our list, Jared. And he's not anywhere to be found as far as horse of the year goes. I mean, it's incredible how horse racing works, but we still shouldn't forget this race because this day was special and this performance was special. I mean, this was, yeah, this was, and you know, that thing too about this I thought was so impressive was Nick's go, you know, he ran his, he tried. Like, it wasn't like, you know, when you, we talk back to the Arrogate versus Chrome and Chrome just simply did not show up in the race. Like, no, he, like he finished set, like he ran. He just was completely outmatched in this race to life is good. I mean, life is good. He did to him what Nick's go had been doing to all his competition all year. Yep. Where you knew real quickly in the race, this horse is going to win because he just dusted him early in the race. Well, life is good. Did that to that horse. I mean, look at this. Nick's go. I mean, gutty effort, but just just clearly second best. If I would have told you Irad's going to pet, you know, uh, life is good the last 50 yards of the Pegasus today, you would have been like, no, he's not. Like, you're out of your freaking mind, you know? And that's, I mean, literally the last what? Eighth, 16th? He's just not, he's not even riding it. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. and, and just imagine if he would have, you know, like. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. they could just, that's the thing. Like this horse was just on another level that day. And that's kind of what I feel like towards the end of the year, life is good, kept getting forgotten, um, of course. And uh, you kind of had to remind yourself like, hey, this horse did do that. You know, like this is a horse that obviously, you know, it's like, 
all of a sudden life is good is chopped liver compared to some of these other ones because of you know what you know recency basically well the bottom line is if they never would have ran him at a mile and a quarter he wouldn't have lost this year most likely you know they ran him at a mile and a quarter and he, he can't do it now of course they also ran him against flight line that didn't help either yeah <laughs> so as we'll see coming up <laughs> okay number three our top three and this was uh the three that we initially uh, our, in our first rankings we exact at the exact order there's no debate about this between him and i number three Hard to not use Halterman, the Kentucky Derby. Rich Strike pulls off the upsets of all upsets in the 2022 Kentucky Derby. One thing I'll be able to say, these next three races, I'll never forget where I were when they happened. And this one, I'll never, ever, ever forget it. I'll never forget the thoughts going through my head stride by stride uh, when this happened. It's, It was just incredible um, that he was able to pull this off an incredible ride from a rider who has been heavily criticized since for rides on this horse with one of the all-time great Kentucky Derby rides though in this situation you have to give him his due unfreaking believable life is good up the rail at huge odds I, I don't know I mean you never say never in this game for sure we'll be hard-pressed to see anything like this again though I mean you he this effort made my you know, the mind that bird moment just like oh whatever to, I, not because it wasn't like the horse won he don't he rolled late and the horse wasn't even in the gate three days before the race if you go back to our youtube page i did a video comparing mind that bird leading up to this race first uh, uh rich strike leading up to this race mind that bird looked much better than rich strike <laughs> leading up to this race. <laughs> it was incredible and mind that bird looked awful leading up to the race but I mean, Rich Strike, you just, you know, it was just almost impossible to see this happen. It, so much impossible that I did not, I thought it was the number two horse, not the number 21 when he made the move. I thought, oh my God, did Happy Jack just win this race? Did that really just happen? <laughs> All right, so here you go. And this is one where you just thought, at the mo top of the stretch, like, well, it's going to be Zandon or it's going to be Epicenter. I mean, these two horses looked like much, I mean, Epicenter, it's like, how, and here's, here's another comment, like, how do you lose from here? If I don't know. And again, this is why if Epicenter loses three or horse a year, I'm not going to cry any tears for him. You can't lose this race. No. <laughs> you just can't from here. And you especially can't lose it to Rich Strike. If you lost to Zandon, okay. But you can't lose it to Rich Strike. So that's why Epicenter, I'm not going to cry tears over you if you lose. And there's Rich Strike. And listen, fluke or not, doesn't matter. Still an unbelievable moment in time. Hey, Richard. Neither did Rich Strike. <laughs> Neither one of them have. No. <laughs> Why that bird never won again? Rich Strike has not won again. Um, Jared, our boy Jared, standing on the turf track during the Derby, I'm shocked. I mean, no one could fathom. Like it was, it was silence because everyone, everyone saw what we, everyone saw the same thing. That okay, it's you watch the call even like it's his epicenter and who's it gonna be? It's one of the two. Like it's one of the they're slugging it out. It's what we all thought would probably happen. You know. Obviously, Tabe didn't fire, but past that, it wasn't a shocking. And then here comes Rich Strike, and it makes no sense how this happened. I but literally, happened. when they when they returned for home and, and Zanon started to rage up, I thought, oh my God, Zanon's a real deal. Here comes Chad Brown's first Kentucky Derby win. He looks great. And when he starts to hang and Epicenter's fighting back, I thought, oh my God, I'm here to see Steve Aspusen's first Kentucky Derby win. How great is that? And then all of a sudden, in literally like a flash of a second, I thought, oh my God, Doug O'Neill's gonna win? Wait, no, that's the 21 horse. 
who is this? Who trains this horse? Who is this? You know, I mean, and it's, it's incredible. It's like, wow, well, I saw Eric Reed's first Kentucky Derby win. So it was really quite incredible. Uh, the, 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 you know, like just the emotions through the last eight seconds, I would say, of this race, if not five seconds of this race. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what super sticker means. I don't know, but thank you. Thanks, Johnny. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, I'm with you. We were sitting there right there on the rail. Um, and, uh, we saw two obviously as well. And we all said, happy Jack, are you kidding me? And even that was mild, like 1000% less shocking than the actual result. We found out moments later when we realized, no, that says 21. And then we're realizing who the hell is that horse people? We do this for a living. And we were like, what was that? Who, who was that again? And it's just when I, I don't know about you, Alterman. I do know actually, but I'll say it anyways. Like I was so sick of answering like to you know people that are friends or family after the fact. Hey, did you, did you have? It's like no, I didn't have that horse. I didn't even. I do. I I didn't even know the horse was in the race until a couple of days before. A couple of people emailed us the next day and said, "Hey, why why did you not even mention this horse in the Derby Guide?" I said, "Would have." would hey uh here's here's rich strike he draws in it's a great story he has no chance to win would you have bet him if that was in the guide because that's what would have been in the guide yeah right i mean and again you might i'm also sick of like that you should have seen it coming come on (laughs) i mean nobody saw that coming and i think it was really proven the horse he was better than i thought he would be honestly throughout the rest of the year but he didn't win another race you know and it it's unfortunate for the fans of his, but it is what it is, right? That's the facts of it. In my opinion, the only way you cash that race uh, for me, there's no like the only way I can have got there is we, if people watch the 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 uh, blinkers off we did with John before um, before the race. We talked about a, a betting strategy that he had implemented before, and that yep. we kind of talked about implementing this year, where you don't play Taba or whoever, you play all on top over like a likely horse you know whether it be epicenter whether it be taba i think we would have used taba instead instead of epicenter that would have been the problem because the problem is you got to go single there in that second leg if you're going all on the first leg right um yep. but some people could have hit that i if you would have used that strategy and all over say epicenter very logical to get there if that was your strategy to make john a little bit happier with me he laid out that perfectly about back wheeling uh, an exact and he did it with mind that bird he loved pioneer of the nile but and uh, i believe it was kurt hoover who said hey before you bet everything on pioneer of the nile to win wheel it with a saver back wheel exacta put all and then over pioneer of the nile in second because kooky stuff happens in the derby pioneer of the nile could run really well and lose today and john white said that's a great idea and uh he, he won a lot of money but playing a back wheel exacta because mind that bird won and then there you are with your you know quote unquote logical horse pioneer of the, uh, of the nile could have done it with epicenter very easily as well for sure um so yeah he did lay that out it was a really it was a you know it was the strategy to use that that year for this year i should say for sure um yeah it's we didn't do that though <laughs> no we didn't um we didn't at all no. and, <laughs> all right by the way, I saw a comment earlier. I don't, it's way too far back now, but I did see that double in the Breeders' Cup paid ten. I think it was ten eighty for a dollar. The two two flight line, which is just you're getting you're getting ten to one, not five to one, ten to one on that. 
absolutely urge everybody that's listening right now to go to YouTube and find the betting favorite, make, making money on big favorites and watch the video. It's, it's never easy to hit any bet in racing, but it's easy to look at the tote board and find value and you can do it on heavy favorites. And there's another example. And I think the exacta paid a ton. I didn't yeah. have it, but if you like that, the horse that finished second that day at the classic, not really not that hard to bet a $20 straight exacta over the horse you like in first and second. Yeah, I mean, that's how badly I, I messed up the betting that day is I, I, I wanted to play that double and didn't because of I got I've talked myself out of the Applebee's situation. Yep. And then I then I didn't hit it. So I went and played a huge double or exacta flatline over Taba and just got nosed out. Uh, it's just a dirty way to end that. So double back to back, you know, uh, double whammies there. All right. Speaking of flight line, let's do a flight line <laughs> about doubles. Let's talk about a flight line double. And let's go Pacific Classic or the Breeders' Cup Classic. Pacific Classic. Pacific Classic. The uh, number two on our list, the TVG Pacific Classic Flight Line. You know, let's not forget, going into this race, obviously, he'd won the Met Mile. Very lightly raced. Still is now going to stretch out for the first time. And I don't want to I don't want to call say names to people that are big fans of our show. But a lot of people were very critical of us for being so confident in our boy flight line here that he would stretch out and boy, did he prove us right. Like I said, I was kind of not with him, but kind of skeptical as well until I saw that Matt Mile race. I thought, no, he'll be fine. Um, okay, number one, this is a Pacific Classic. Flight line's another race for number one. They're debatable. It's like Taba Epperson or one, two here, right? Because this was absolutely breathtaking. If this is your number one uh, pick for the year, I get it. We have another race next that we'll talk about, and we'll, I'll give the reasons why I kind of said, hey, we'll go number one with this spot. But I was driving home from Northern Oklahoma, OU football game, and we were watching this race in the car, my dad and I, and we both looked at each other like, that's something you just don't see. You just never see that in, in this kind of race. And the way, once he made the move, you, I looked at my dad and I'm like, it's over. And he's like, they're not even on the turn. I was like, it's over. Yeah. He just he just put them all away with one ask. And I said, and dad's like, look at him. Like, they're not even asking him to do anything right now. And this is when you ask a horse for its best. The race is already over. <laughs> I mean, it, this was incredible. I mean, just it it went from being like i told you i knew this horse was could do it to being like oh my gosh like this to stop what you're doing and watch this because you'll never see it again like jared says here um i mean <laughs> it took forever for another horse to get to the uh, finish line there it's not often you get chills when you watch this over and over and over every single day that was a just a like a oh my god i can't believe that just happened type of race and at that moment, I was, please, God, let this horse stay healthy. Oh, yeah, because you knew the Breeders' Cup would be next, and you're just like, it, you know, sometimes the, you know, the Breeders' Cup, you want those great betting races, but as fans of the games, and we're all bettors, but a, a lot of us are fans. You know, we're all fans as well, I should say. But sometimes it's just like, I just want to see greatness happen on, on the grand stage. And that's what we got to see. Beholder's Pacific Classic was amazing, but it was not more impressive, I must say. It was very impressive. Yeah. Definitely the most impressive Pacific Classic up until this one. I think it was the second. Yeah, I would put it second for sure. And it, I remember when we were that day, we were at our favorite restaurant, Aurora, and we were watching that. And we we're like, oh my God, like we were almost in tears watching her do that. Yeah. 
this was better. Sorry. I, I just can't imagine what some of the people that were picking against Flightline thought about that moment in the str in the turn there. We were like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, I was wrong. Yeah. Um, Flightline. I wonder it was like, it was different right. emotions, right? When she made that move around the turn, you it almost did bring you to tears. It's like a female, she's beating the boys, and it's like, she just ran the absolute perfect race. She'll never run that good ever again. And that's not a knock on her. It's just the fact that Richard Mandela had her ready to run the perfect race that day. This well, was just, he's a fucking freak. Exactly. And, yeah. <laughs> and, that, and, and the way she ran that race that day was, it was maybe visually more, the move was visually more impressive. Because it was just like, from this, Gary Stevens went from nothing to just boom. Now she's in front and yep. it was over. So, um, and a little, I don't know, I guess maybe a little less expected, but yeah, it was uh, truly an unbelievable performance. And then, and then flight line and, and yeah. So you and I both had this horse or that race ranked number second. And so obviously there's one big race that we are leaving out and you know what it is. It is the Breeders' Cup Classic. Number one, the Breeders' Cup Classic. Who else but flight line? Halpern, we were there for this one uh, as well. And, and right here, you kind of, you know, it was a very interesting move because at first it kind of looked like maybe he was going to try to battle with Life is Good really early on, which is what the last thing we wanted to see. And we talked about it earlier, how smart this horse was. Pratt just said, nope, not yet. And they backed off. Imagine having this much talent and also listening to your jockey. I mean, <laughs> that's what it was. Pratt said, okay, big boy. Calm down a little bit. I'll let you free stride, but now you need to sit off. And Flightline, I, I would vision in my mind, he said, okay. And so he just sat right <laughs> off of him. And it, it was just breathtaking. And listen, if you want to put Pacific Classic number one, I get it. Probably overall, it was the more impressive of the two as far as just a jaw-dropping performance. But guys, to toss aside life is good like he's a dog, it's, it's something I can't even describe. It's just so incredible to see. And to hold off horses so good, and they're not even in the picture. It's just, it's incredible. And the movie makes here, when, it gets, when you get next to life is good and it's no battle at all and no resistance, it's just like, God, this is just, it's incredible to see him do this. And you almost think, if you're not a believer, you're thinking this is gonna be an unbelievable meltdown right here. Yep. Both these horses are about to fall off the track because they've been running so fast nose to nose and the poor life is good it's just done what he does every race where he runs his ass off and this horse just said i'm not leaving you and then it said see ya look at 100%. that i mean and holy shit and look at and look at this like he's really still not asking him to do just a whole hell of a lot he's handwriting him but there's no whip there's nothing and it's just like where are the rest of the horses <laughs> they're nowhere to be found these are the best horses we've got and they're nowhere to be found Stupid Taba getting third, damn it. Eight to one on that exacto, unreal. Tell me about it. That, cause <laughs> from the moment I knew he was gonna win Flyline, I immediately started going back and watching Taba. Cause I was like, all right, Taba, get up, get up. And I thought he had it, I really did. Um, Olympiad ran a, a big race. By the way, let's go, I wanna go back to a part of this race. This is it as they enter, or they exit the first turn here. And these horses, Flightline is in second place, and he's what, eight links, maybe 10 links ahead uh -huh. of Taba and uh, Hot Rod Charlie there. Like, let's pause that for a second. <laughs> if you say, if, if you, 
if you leave either or if out if, if no life is good in the race or if you don't have light, flight line like look at that gap it, well, it's I, I get that i i the more i've watched this race i have zero doubt in my mind that if there was no flight line life is good would have been in the winter circle that day and i know that like you said well look at what he did well he kept running harder because that's what he does he goes he just he kept getting pushed and pushed by fly line, going faster and faster they kept going faster without that imagine you know life life is good as four or five links ahead of everyone else he's got more in the tank left for the end of the race i think life is good ran a huge race in the breeders cup classic yeah no i i agree and you know mike smith had the best quote of all uh when i was reading this of course he's on taba and he said look i rode taba just thinking hey those horses are going way too fast they'll come back to us he's like one came back to us and one didn't and he's like you're, you can't run that fast and not come back to you. Like, how do you beat that? <laughs> and the answer is you don't. <laughs> I, I asked Kelby one time about about American Ferry. I was like, how do you how do you beat him? He goes like, look, you show up. If he shows up, you don't beat him. Yeah, that's it. I'm like, well, that's that's pretty simple. And it's the same with flight line. If he shows up, now obviously every horse can lose. Sometimes they just don't show up with that great effort. It's hard to do it every time. But if they show up, you don't beat them. And you, you're never going to beat flight line if he shows up. It's 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 virtually impossible unless you have another absolute freak of a horse. And there's not many that you can say is, is are as freaky as uh, what this horse uh, was. I mean, it's just a, the way he just disposes of that horse. Yeah. And just keeps going. It's not like, it's not like everyone kept coming. Like, like life is good, fell, fell back and, and everyone started getting closer to, to life or to flight line. No, he just extended. He just extended. Like he was still going faster, just, an unbelievable effort and what i mean just a horse that you can't really even describe that's why people you know like i've seen a lot of comments secretariat or, or flight line secretariat or flight line it's an impossible question to ask it's an impossible one to figure out but the fact is that you'll i think we'll always wonder that debate and that to me adds a lot of to the lore of what he is right guys the fact that that's even mentioned exactly tells you all you need to know and what i just said if you beat him, you gotta have a free course. Well, free courses, like Secretariat, maybe go Sapper, maybe they could have beat him. But that's what you're gonna have to take. You couldn't take, uh, let's say, uh, Fort Larned, say, hey, this is a Breeders' Cup Classic winner. Could he beat Flightline? No, he'd lose by 20. Um, you know, Mucho Macho Man, no. But you know, like it would take a, 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 a absolute freak of a type of horse. I don't think California Chrome could touch this horse. No. You know, um, you know, Arrogate at his best, maybe he could touch him. Uh, Honestly, I think he would kill American Pharaoh even, honestly. So it's he is just a, an all-time talent. Well, the scary part about Flightline is that we'll never know is just we just we we never got even anywhere remotely close to his bottom. You know? We we saw Pharaoh's bottom in the Derby, maybe. He I mean it was it was a B effort, but he had to, he worked for it. Yeah. We saw his bottom in the Travers. Um, we saw Justify's bottom probably in the in the Preakness. Um, he ran, he you know he did everything he could to win that race. Uh, we never saw, we saw Arrogate's bottom. You know when he had to work his ass off to get in. I mean he ran a huge race, but he ran his ass off in Dubai, um, and in the Breeders' Cup. We never we never saw Flyline get out of second gear. Nope. Ever. Nope. Not once. Nope. <laughs> So it's like to say how good is he? How can we can't compare because we don't we don't know how good he is. On his best day, there's there's just a handful that were as good as him. And listen, if you want to 
if you're an older guy and you, he would never beat secretary. Okay. I don't care. But the fact that we're even debating, it tells you what you need to know, you know, like we're all going to have our favorites depending on what era we grew up in. Right. If there's a horse 30 years from now that looks as good as flight line, we're all going to probably, or you and I will probably say, Oh, you wouldn't have beat flight line. And the younger kids will go, yeah, he would have the flight line. That was 30 years ago. Who gives a shit? You know, I mean, that's just how it is. Um, but the fact that he's mentioned with those horses tells you what you need to know. And we'll never know if he could have beat those horses or not. You know, no, nobody could ever know that. There you go. Our top 10 right there. You saw it here first. It's getting darker and darker behind Halsbrin. It's, it's crazy, dark. man. When I started this, it was bright out. And boy, it gets dark quick in Colorado. I, I, think, I, I think I just realized I haven't really been looking at you. I was what everybody else. Cause I just looked at you and I thought, holy shit, what? How long have we been doing this? I didn't I didn't put my ring light on because like I said, it was sunny, like the sun was shining into the window behind me. And within about an hour into the show, I'm like, oh, I'm in the dark. So little ghost stories from uh, Estes Park, Colorado now, if you want it. <laughs> All right, there you go. Number 10, the Dirt Mile. The number nine, the Breeders' Cup Turf. Eight, Coaching Club American Oaks. Seven was the Belmont Stakes. Number six, the Travers. Number five, the Met Mile. Number four, the Pegasus. Uh, three was a Derby, two was the TVG Pacific Classic, and one the Breeders' Cup Classic. Make sure you guys let us know in the comments below who you liked as your number one race of the year. What a year it's been for 2022. Hopefully 2023 can somewhat live up to that. <laughs> yeah, hopefully when you guys went through those with us watching those, you realize like what we realized we're going through. I'm like, shit, man, that was a good year. And yeah, I mean, to, to a lot of people's comments, I mean, I've been seeing some on here, like, yeah, we didn't put Regal's Glory Race in there. We didn't put Modern Games in our top 10. I, I really wanted to put um, uh, uh, him in there. Um, you know, the Kentucky Oaks, a, a race for Secret Oath ran huge. It was another one that we wanted to include, just couldn't. So it was just that kind of year for sure. Oh, 100%, yeah. And Modern Games was... I almost put Breeders' Cup Turf Mile. He would he would have been like 11, 12, something around in there. Um, I saw somebody mention Regal Glory. Like you said, it's like, yeah, I mean, that's a top 15, top 20. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a Ouija board right behind me. I, honestly, uh, if you guys have ever watched The Shining, uh, it was shot in the Stanley Hotel, which is here in Estes Park, Colorado. We're actually going to go to the Stanley Hotel tonight uh, for a tour. So uh, if you've watched The Shining, we're going to go over that uh, film. So that'll be fun. That's going to be scary. We've got kids and they want to go. The kids want to go. So. I would love, by the way, I love that movie, um, which I mean, I know what most people do. Yeah. Uh, I would love that. I'm super jealous. That will be fun. So the Stanley Hotel sits, uh, the, there's mountains all around this Red town. Rum. It's a valley. And then Red the Stanley rum. Hotel sits up high, <laughs> up, like overlooking the whole town. Let me know. Is, let me know if there's a. They really do have a maze, like a, a maze outside, like out of, made out of brush, like out of the bushes. You know, that'd be cool if they did. Let me know. I'm gonna let you know that. I'll text you. Man, yeah. Watch the walls. It's funny. We we came into town and uh, a couple of the younger people that are there with us. We got ten of us here, the whole family, based on my mom's side, and they were like. Where, the first thing they ask is, where'd they do The Shining? And so you, you could see it from like a mile away. Like I say, it sits up high. And they're like, oh, that's creepy, you know? <laughs> it's all white hotel. It is kind of creepy. It's it's cool. All right. That's all the time we have. Check us out at RacingDudes.com for our free picks and our premium selections on our products page. Click the Get Racing Dudes Premium button at the menu at RacingDudes.com to learn more. Uh, congratulations to our boy, 
Uh, Dan, Dan Wait, Racing Dudes Tournament Challenge Champion. Last week, or, uh, I guess it's a Monday, uh, just almost went gate to wire in the thing. Just really started off st strong. I don't believe, I think the 111 or something like that was fine. I mean, he absolutely rolled. That's anytime you can get into triple digits in a tournament, especially on one card, not like the, the throughout the country. You know, a lot of times it's different tracks, which makes it a little easier because they kind of pick the races that you can make money on. No, this was all from Santa Anita's card, and that was an impressive effort from Dan. So, friend of the show, friend of us, in the in our Racing Dudes Fantasy League as well. Dan, man, he won. I, I'm so proud of Dan. We poke fun at Dan all the time. He wins it. I got to send him his $500 check. Way to go, Dan. I'm really proud of Dan. Um, great job. Great job. The great thing about having a friend, uh, you know, uh, win is like we can just like delay whenever we want to pay him. It's like, oh yeah, we'll get it to you. He he called me the other day, and I'm sure it was asking where the check is. I haven't. Really, <laughs> I mean, I'm in Colorado, Dan. I'm not writing your check right now. <laughs> oh, Dan's watching. Sorry, Dan. Uh, I mean, never oh, mind. We're, gonna, we're gonna see you really fast. <laughs> I was literally in the mountains when you called, Dan. I'm, I'm not answering that call. You're just looking for your money. <laughs> Dan, you'll get it when you get it. Okay. Yeah. Maybe never. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, congratulations. I mean, really, it's a super impressive effort. Um, like I said, it's like, you know, if you don't play tournaments, like to do it, to put up that kind of number in a, in a card that's all from one uh, track, especially Santa Anita, that's impressive. So it uh, seems like he kind of hit the big ones where you needed to hit the big ones and was able to play the short prices when you needed to do those. And um, he held on. It was close. Um, he says it wasn't about the check. So we'll see. I don't know. I don't know I if I believe that. <laughs> Anyways, all right. Uh, congratulations again to Dan uh, being our maybe first and only Racing Dudes Tournament Challenge champion. I don't know. We'll see if we bring that sucker back or not. Um, Dan might be the long, long live the champion forever. Uh, all right. You can make sure you go check us out on uh, at Racing Underscore Dudes on, on Twitter. Uh, Instagram and Facebook. Find all episodes of Blinkers Off by visiting our podcast page, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Stitcher, Captivate, all the places you watch and listen to podcasts. We are there. Uh, go check out the Magic Mike show. I think, did they die or no? Are they alive? Yeah, they both died. Okay, they died. Okay, so. I think the they're coming back from the dead next week, though. Okay, they're back. All right, so they'll be back next week. So no Magic Mike show. Um, but again, if you like our content, if you like our, our, our videos, or you like what we were watching, make sure you like and subscribe and hit that notification bell on our YouTube page. Because we are going to be doing, obviously, more and more of these. And we're going to roll into the next year. The Derby Trail really gets going. We'll be having tons and tons of Derby content on the site as well. Um, Halterman, final thoughts as we, you know, how about your final thoughts of 2022? How about that? You, you put a bow on all your thoughts for the year. It's been a fun year. Everybody have fun. Everybody have a good new year. I don't, I don't have anything else. It's been fun. When, how long are you out there for? Uh, I'm coming back on new year's so i'll be back on new year's yeah so we'll spend new year's here oh i did learn a new phrase here's my final thought for 2022 are you ready yeah if you get drunk and high at the same time it's called getting crossed did not know that so me and some of the younger folks here of age are going to get crossed for new year's eve that's the plan um wow i'm, kidding. Okay. I'm not getting crossed yeah i i no i would not recommend anybody get high with this guy no and i wouldn't get crossed there's no way are you uh what's is it are you just stick with drunk 
Yeah, that's what I'll do. Yes. I, I even told her, I said, I'm not getting crossed. No, but listen, I, she said that and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what that is. I've learned a lot of different things. So. Is it cronk? Cronk? No, crossed. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he's talking about something else. Seriously, though, great, great year for everybody. Thanks, everybody. We really ramped up the YouTube page, and you guys came through in a big, big, big way. So we appreciate all of y'all listening, and uh, hopefully we get some more of y'all in 2023. That's the plan, right? To build up to the Derby. Um, mm-hmm. We'll keep having that content, keep having more and more. Uh, we got a few things we're working on in the in the works, so stay tuned for that uh, for just to get you guys more content. And uh, I guess for the final time of... 2022. Oh, look at this. It's a koozie. Oh, that's all. <laughs> wow. Just for Where'd you find that? My brother got it for me. He found oh. it and he said, here, I bought this for you. That's awesome. They're squishy too. What what a what a uh what a nice brother you have. He is nice, yeah, very nice. We drink a lot together. So knows, this is coming handy. He knows you he, he knows you too well. He does. He does. Alright guys. Good luck this weekend. Happy New Year. <laughs> Oops. See you guys. RacingDudes.com for all of your needs. RacingDudes.com for all of your leads. RacingDudes.com for all of your bets. RacingDudes.com as good as it gets. RacingDudes.com for all of your needs. RacingDudes.com for all of your leads. RacingDudes.com for all of your bets. RacingDudes.com as good as it gets. This has been a presentation of RacingDudes.com, your destination for all things horse racing and sports betting. Whether you want free winners, expert insider picks, up-to-the-minute trackside weather reports, or podcasts and videos for bettors of all skill levels, never make another wager without visiting the Racing Dudes 